Live from Salt Lake City and the Vivid Arena as we get ready for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Los Angeles Kings tonight. Uh, preseason game number three for the Vegas Golden Knights. A one-on-one record so far. Back in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio is Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman. Uh, thanks to Callie McCrimmon for popping on. If you missed any of that conversation, the podcast will be posted. Uh, Ryan, uh, just give me your thoughts on, on some of the candor that we heard from Kelly regarding people like Peyton Krebs and Nolan Patrick and then you get on through uh, the expectations of the team yeah I, I think um, you know when whenever we get an opportunity to, to hear Kelly McCrimmon speak in terms of individual players and, and the progression that it takes to get to the NHL and uh, you know the the consistency that's needed to get from the American Hockey League to the National Hockey League uh, I pay attention to that. Uh, the emphasis put on practice, not just in terms of how you pop in a game, but also how you practice, the, the pace that you bring to those practice sessions. Um, it's a, a great way to get that insight from Kelly McCrimmon. And then, you know, for me, I, I think his answer to your question about the, the maturation of the organization in general and, and how that really happened probably sooner than I think a lot of people expected it would or realized that it could. Um, but I think to me that's that's kind of the most telling. This is an organization that, yeah, they, in five years you've gone from new team in the league to veteran team looking to win a Stanley Cup as a legitimate contender. And I think that that just goes to show you the hard work and, and really everything that's gone into turning this this organization into a a world class organization within the National Hockey League. You know, let's bring in Duva, who's uh, got a headset on, and listening in our on our conversation, just on the the maturation of the pro, uh, the franchise. Now, it's competitive every year, but you do reach a a point where you aren't just a team full of people that you've traded for and free agents. There's draft picks knocking on the door. Uh, I, I thought it was telling what Kelly said, that they, they were much quicker to that process of being in the mature franchise than a lot of people may think. I think that's, it, it's, it's so interesting on the perspective. When you're in the thick of it, guys, you know how much work is being done at every level of the organization, whether it's ownership, management, scouting staff, ticket sales, sponsorship, you know all about the different Foley properties. And I think that when you're in it every day, you see how much is being done. There might be perception from from outside that doesn't match reality until winning percolates. Winning has percolated, so other people, I think, have taken notice, so the identity can really take hold. It really is both sides. You know, perception as reality, that work is being done. A lot of expansion organizations have put in work, but when the perception doesn't capture that, it's, it's a little bit harder. But we know the identity of this team because we've been a part of it now for a few years. But it, it is interesting, the evolution of that identity. It, it has to change uh, because all of a sudden there's another new kid on the block. Um, and uh, if you try to hold tight to something that's no longer there, mm -hmm. it's really not going to work. So uh, an evolving identity, I think, is what makes uh, for a successful business in, in, in any aspect of life. But in sports, it's a, it's a winning business, and even if you won last year, if you won 26 championships, the fans want you to win now, mm -hmm. even if uh, you might be the winningest team of all time, which the Golden Knights certainly are not. But it boils down to what have you done for me lately? Well, I, just to piggyback off that now uh, and 
go to the discussion that we had about unfinished business that we've heard from so many players. And then you get the, the reality from Kelly McCrimmon, in a sense, what he couldn't imagine working for a franchise that wasn't all in and ready to go. Yeah, and you, you realize, your head. but but <laughs> you realize like it's it one. It's not that way no. everywhere. Well, and that's and that's the thing. It, it's like when you're around it all the time, mm-hmm. and we we chat with the coaching staff, management, players, leadership. They're constantly walking the walk, talking the talk, etc. And then you you step back and realize, like, my goodness, it, like, how is this not? the case in every franchise mm-hmm. but you said it darren it, it's it's not the same everywhere you, you wonder how that could possibly be but there are a lot of little things we could be here all day there, there somebody will write a book one day examining all the little details of how the golden knights have done things well not just from a winning standpoint they've had success uh, that the, the, the record is what it is in their first four years but there are a lot of little things that i don't think um, other organizations have invested in the way the Golden Knights have. Yeah, Ryan, you, you think back uh, to that comment from, from Kelly, and if you, you listen to the uh, statement uh, again and go back and listen to it, like there's, there's fire in that about competing every single year, every single game. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in the best league in the world, and your ultimate goal is to win. And, and you know, if, if you're not striving for that every day, really, what are you doing? this is a team that hasn't won it all yet. Mm -hmm. And I think every single decision and every single, uh, you know, just everything, literally everything that happens from the top of the organization down to the players on the ice, it is done with a purpose. And the purpose is to bring a Stanley cup to Vegas. Peyton Krebs. What do you think happens tonight? Oh, and are we now getting too fixated on Peyton Krebs, (laughs) Ryan? I, I mean, I don't know that that's possible. I, I think that, you, you know, you've got the shiny toy, right? And and a lot of people are expecting this to be kind of that camp that Peyton Krebs has his coming out party and he, he announces that he is here and ready to contribute at an NHL level. And I think it's because of the games he got into last year, because he looked like he belonged in the NHL last year. So uh, to me, this is his best opportunity within a game to show off his skill and to show off that he can make the right play at the right time and take care of the puck at the NHL level. So uh, it's a big game, I think, tonight for Peyton Krebs and and just trying to make this decision as hard as possible on Pete DeBoer. And you also think about those uh, pancakes that Krebs was not allowed to eat because Max Pacioretty told him not to. I mean, Yes. That that goes (laughs) hand-in-hand in in both these conversations. The details, organizationally, but player-to-player, veteran got a younger guy, but the excitement and the focus on a young kid who is expected to really ascend here. And, and you hate to compare them to anybody else, but you think about organizations who've been on the cusp with up-and-coming stars. You knew that they were going to be there at some point, and sometimes the timing is there, and a guy latches on at the very beginning of his career. You know, incidentally, we were talking about Darren Helm the other night because he was a rookie when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup in 2008, and now he's changed organizations for the first time. It goes by pretty quick. Yeah, I was one of the ones in the rink the other night going, did I miss that? Yeah. That transaction? <laughs> uh, okay. Good. He's That's not good. wearing the winged wheel anymore. Uh, I'm blaming it on the flight uh, flight overseas. Uh, Dan Duva's with us. Uh, we're just going to get Dan to slide the headset over to Darren Pang because he just he just showed up. 
And and this, I, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I don't I don't get to go in a lot of games because we're in Studio 31. But like I've, I've, Kelly McCrimmon's been on, Dan Duba's come on, and now Panger stops by, uh, who's going to call the game for Turner tonight. Uh, this is great. I'm going to go on more road trips. Mally, you should go on more road trips. <laughs> yes. You know what? They shouldn't. They, you shouldn't be stuck back there when you've got the. You got the road look. You got the good suit going on. You know, hair's looking good. And uh, no, exciting. I, I actually sent you a note last night. I thought on my flight here that I had Wi-Fi on the plane. Yeah. Thought that I sent it, saying I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? I didn't even check it. Hadn't heard from you. Thinking, oh well, he's probably off. They're not doing it. And then I saw one of those exclamation marks. It just didn't go through. Ah, because I was looking. So I then I saw it. Then this, so then just so anyway, happy to see that and happy to see uh, our good friend in St. Louis, Ashley Vice. I just yes. saw her downstairs. And uh, I said to Pete DeBoer and the staff down there, best trade you've made. I mean, best. I mean, you made some good trades. You got some great acquisitions. You got some great people. Because we acquired that Petrangelo guy from St. Louis the year yeah, ago. I he's told, worked out pretty I, good. I already told Petro. I said, Petro, you're behind <laughs> Ashley just by a little bit. Uh, he's, she's just such a, a good person and a good team person. I'm really glad that uh, she's getting this opportunity with you guys. Hey, well, we got here. Uh, you're doing the first game for Turner tonight. Yes. Yes. So, it's. Uh, what's this going to be like for you? you yeah, you've done a few different networks, but this is cool. I just, I'm, I'm trying to get more custom suits like what we had over at Sportsnet. <laughs> well, so we, did, did you and I not do the first night on that? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did, big guy. That, that's, yeah. this is great. Um, I'm, you know, you know, and I, we, we've been friends for a long time, and an opportunity, you never know if it's going to come back up mm-hmm. again. You know that. I yeah. mean, you know, I've been, I'm in a happy spot. I've got a great play-by-play guy in John Kelly, and uh, and then, you know, I get a phone call from, uh, you know, TNT. And I've got to tell you, when I, one of the neatest things is when I, when, I, when I agreed to the deal, I was driving to my lake house in Michigan. My wife and I got to a late start, so we stopped in Indy, got in a hotel room. As soon as we got in the hotel room, I was probably just cracking open a nice bottle of wine. Yeah. And I get a FaceTime. And I look at, I look at it, I show her, I go, you're not going to believe who's FaceTiming me. Charles Barkley. And all, and all he said was, Welcome to the team, little fella. And, that, and that's exactly how he said it. Welcome to the team, little fella. And uh, then he wanted to talk about golf, and he wanted to talk about if I'm going to be in studio and see him. But I, I thought right away, I thought, wow, what a great way to enter a, a, new, a new era and a new area of, of team. And, and, so, and it's a small group. I mean, ESPN's got the big package, yeah. and they've got a lot of games. and they got a, Man, they've got a, a large stable of talent and great people. And I really like this, though. I, I really like this group at TNT. And so far, I mean, it's been fantastic, Darren, but thanks. You know how great of a job Darren Pang does is he's w- one of like two people where Turner phoned instead of everybody else who was phoning Turner. That, <laughs> that, that, that really sums it up because most of the calls were going into Turner no, uh, from it, it, this thing. No, it helped Darren that I was that, that my first Zoom call uh, with them, I had to get off the golf course with Wayne and take oh. a couple of holes off and they asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm, I'm playing golf with Gretz, uh, but I left the course. They're like, you left the course? Why don't you just do it while you're playing? And I'm like, ah, trying to make a good first impression. Uh, didn't didn't uh, Gretz tell you not to name drop? Yeah. Well, isn't well, that your line? I think Robert De Niro told him that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll keep you for, a, for one more minute and then we've got to take a break because our, our breaks are all uh, out of whack. Um, what are, you, what are you expecting this season? We're back to an 82-game season. It, there's going to be some things that we're kind of used to before that aren't going to translate. Yep. Need depth. I was yep. just downstairs talking to Pete DeBoer about that. And, you know, like uh, Vegas is lucky. they got good depth. You know, even on the D, you, you probably have three or four guys that won't make the team that could easily play in the NHL. You've got probably – you could probably put together six or seven lines. I think that's going to be necessary because he reminded me that last year, even though it was a, the schedule was tough, you st- not a lot of travel. 
Right. You know, now we're going right back into it. And, and it's not maybe in the early going, but once we hit that March and April, it's, it's, it's going to be tough on everybody. So you're going to need all kinds of bodies. Cause we were talking to Robin Leonard and, you know, you've got Brousseau and you've got, you're going to need two goalies. And then I'm like, well, you're going to need nine defensemen. And he's like, yeah, you're going to need 15 forwards. I'm like, so the teams that don't have depth and rely on the same guys, I think are going to be in trouble. I think the teams that have great depth and a two goalie system are going to be great. Uh, this reminds me of being back in an Olympic city of uh, 2010 in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And that was a great uh, endeavor and a journey with you. And now you get to start another one tonight with Turner. Have some fun with it. I know you're going to, you're just going to bring in that uh, great positivity uh, Thanks, to the buddy. broadcast and the expertise and uh, i couldn't be happier for somebody to get this uh, new journey underway appreciate it big guy it's always great seeing you be good there's okay. darren pang uh, part of the turner broadcast we'll be back uh, more from ryan wallace chris chapman and uh, dan duva as we continue live from salt lake city and uh, downtown las vegas on fox sports las vegas on to the near wing big shot he scores it's time for one timers quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day and it's a tie hockey game on the bgk insider show from salt lake city where the golden knights are preparing to play the los angeles kings tonight you can uh, listen to it on fox sports las vegas so you can watch it on att sportsnet uh, turner is also doing its first game nationally tonight uh, looking forward to seeing uh, some of the additions that they work through uh, darren pang is in the building calling this one uh, tonight for turner and our buddy rick Tockett is uh, doing the studio analysis uh, for that Ryan Wallace is uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, Chris Chapman is there, and uh, Dan Duva and I are here in Salt Lake City. And a couple of things just to uh, run your way. Uh, we know that there's some injuries and so there's some uh, unknown around the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. A couple of players that uh, are under contract for this year and then looking for extensions, uh, Jenny Malkin and Chris Latang. And there's a report out of Pittsburgh that uh, Pittsburgh may not be in the uh, – biggest hurry to extend them maybe waiting to see exactly where this season goes to start the year uh sydney crosby won't be ready for opening night then just getting an idea on whether they turn the page or allow those players to pursue other options uh if the rebuild starts sooner than expected so some uh, news there regarding a more cautious approach from the pittsburgh penguins ryan yeah it uh it seems to fall quite uh, in lockstep with where I am on the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, where I think they'll finish this year in the standings. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be in a rush either on Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Like, I understand exactly what they mean to the organization, what they mean to that fan base. But you're looking at a 35-year-old Malkin and a 34-year-old Letang, and both players have had some injury issues in the past. So uh, if if there's nothing wrong with the Penguins keeping all their options on the table as you go through the season to see where each player is and what you think they can do for you beyond this season. Uh, they're getting ready for the game here at uh, Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City. How many, Dan, uh, how many neutral site games have, have the Golden Knights played over the course of the, uh, the preseason? About that. I'm not sure that there have been. As oh, I try to comb yeah. back through the the memory banks, the uh, you know quote unquote neutral site of Lake Tahoe was regular season game, but I don't recall. Um, I don't so this recall is this is unique. Then this Salt Lake City is considered uh, BGK territory too uh, when it comes to broadcast rights and. Uh, and so forth. Rocky Mountain region. It's the LA Kings, I think, of 
Dave Gosher every time I hear that. Uh, right. It's an LA Kings home game. Tomorrow night they'll play at T-Mobile Arena. That will obviously be uh, on the VGK side of things. But this is uh, this is VGK country. So we'll, I'm curious to see what kind of the, the fan base that shows up. Yeah, the word is it's a, a dominant Golden Knights crowd here today. Even though it is a Kings event, they're branding it as Frozen Fury. And longtime hockey fans in Las Vegas will recall that the Los Angeles Kings played exhibition games in Las Vegas for a number of years until the handoff, literally the handoff, Luke Robitaille to Bill Foley at T-Mobile Arena when the Golden Knights, of course, took over the market. But preseason events in LA, or for LA, in Vegas, uh, from the late 90s uh, right through 2016, go all the way back to the game at Caesars between the Rangers and the Kings. But anyway, the thing that they called that Kings preseason event in Vegas was Frozen Fury. It was usually against Colorado. I think there was one game against Arizona, one against San Jose, one against the Rangers. But you had it uh, not quite 20 years that Frozen Fury was, um, I believe, at the MGM. It just occurred to me as we sit here inside Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City where Dan Duba is going to call the action tonight with Gary Lawless on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Did I, did I take your headset? Am I actually on your headset and you're on Lawless's? Is I, that I, feel, I feel bad about that if yeah. that happened. I just sat down the closest uh, to Stone, my main man, yeah, the operator Yeah, I like to here. sit next to Stone as well, so I'll yeah. probably sit over okay, there. Okay, well, I apologize for that. Uh, Wallace, you're familiar with me just uh, <laughs> swooping in and stealing stuff, right? Yeah, it's, you know, a daily occurrence. <laughs> uh, Jacob Brana is going to be out uh, a little while as he has surgery. Uh, so the Detroit Red Wings, who I think could be poised to pay, take a bit bigger step. Uh, he's going to be gone four months with a shoulder injury. That's not the kind of news that you want uh, on top of uh, what they've had to deal with the COVID uh, possibilities and uh, Bertuzzi and not being available for, for nine games. It, it hasn't been the greatest of times for the Detroit Red Wings in this camp. No, I mean, that's that's obviously a blow to, I, I think, kind of the, that step that Detroit was hoping to make uh, this season but you know that being said Bobby Ryan is on a professional tryout I would imagine that this uh, opens up a, a real legitimate opportunity for Bobby Ryan to make the team and and do some stuff with the the Red Wings it's not ideal but you know there's a lot of things that can happen for Detroit to continue to make those strides continue to make those steps I, I don't think anyone has illusions that they're going to to, to take a giant leap and be a, a team that's on, on in the hunt for playoffs but uh, yeah, not ideal for Detroit, but something that they'll be able to work through. I mentioned yesterday that Jonathan Taves was in the lineup for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, so he makes his return to the National Hockey League last night after skipping uh, last year with the immune disorder and uh, played really well. In fact, Jeremy Colton was surprised that he played him as much as he did. Uh, it just almost felt like it went into uh, old times. He won 15 of uh, 20 face-offs and was outstanding in that regard and scored on the first attempt uh, of the shootout. So congratulations to Jonathan Taves. Question that I have is how many offensive zone power play face-offs did he win? I know. Are you mocking me because of my statement no. yesterday? Because no. it sounded like yesterday you were on board with that. I am. I, okay. I was being serious. I wasn't being sarcastic. I was being serious. 
Dan, we had a conversation yesterday about uh, face-off stats, and uh, Ryan and I both agreed, without talking about it beforehand, that it's the most overrated stat of all the ones that we that we hand out. But if you could tell me what the face-off numbers were on a penalty kill or a power play, that's important to me. And an offensive zone, because it means so if you win the draw and you're killing the penalty in the defensive zone, you can get that thing out. Boom, That that's important to me. I think a lot of face-off guys, face-off players, will tell you that while it is kept as an individual statistic, it perhaps would be better reflected as a team statistic because, sure, one guy has to go in, stick on stick with the guy on the other team, and try to get position and direct the puck where you want it to go. But so much of winning a face-off is two parts. There's that element, but then there's the play along the wall and that battle that happens. So, yeah, one guy gets face-off win, face-off loss, but a lot of those face-off numbers can't be official until the team gains possession and somebody else has to be involved in that. Well, that's a tricky thing about face-off numbers. I'm with you. That it, You look at the number, it's there. You take it for what it's worth. Some of the great face-off guys have really good numbers, but you don't kill a guy on face-off just because maybe the number isn't eye-popping. It, to me, is very much a team thing. And you look at groups like power play groups, if you get a good guy in the face-off circle, oh, what are the other guys doing to help control the puck right. for the team? you got those lazy winger that doesn't do anything. Can't and have you, that. you got somebody else that comes on and battles their uh, tail off for the puck. Wallace, if you're the center iceman mm-hmm. and you've got myself and Chapman as wingers, Yep. Who do you think is going to fight harder to help out your face-off percentage? Neither one of you. Oh, come on. Come on. We're no, both I'm hurt not, by I'm not that. picking here. I'm not picking here. Wow. An yeah. opening there, Dan Duva. No, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather with I'd Wallace. rather have Duva on my wing. Oh, boy. I played defense, except they couldn't skate backwards, so it didn't go very well. <laughs> Did you see William Carlson the other night? Uh, defending, and he he was back on his edges because they 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 he is a brilliant skater. But uh, every now and then he he was actually defending a two on two rush, and the way skates are rockered and everything, and he just lost his balance. I thought, oh, he's gonna go he's right over. Down. <laughs> yeah, gonna, that's how that's a sign of how great they are. If somebody like him can catch a rut or or slip over, oh boy, no, I I. Uh... <laughs> I don't pretend to be an adept skater, so I, I'm not sure how I, I would handle that. But uh, I'd battle hard for the puck in the corner, that's for sure. This is the rink that we're in right now where the figure skating and the short track speed skating was held at the 2002 Olympic Winter Games in Salt Lake City. Apollo uh, Ono was the gold medalist and a silver medalist uh, on this sheet. So there's, there's good vibes about speed going on in this rink. What is the size of that surface? Do you know, same, Darren? Same size. I was going to say, yeah, 200 same. feet? Yeah. So was the seating configuration the same for that as it is here today? Because a lot of seats are eliminated as a result of the 200 feet surface versus the uh, you know the normal configuration well, of a basketball court. Olympic Games, there's so much uh, bunting and dressing up of, of the facilities that they eliminate the seats and with figure skating you've got the uh, kiss and cry area all that kind of where you get your scores yes there's, there's good different point good parts point. that are, they're automatically wheeled off this might be like one of those perfect rinks for that because it is a basketball facility and if you sit up top you, you, it's tough to see in certain places the ice surface it's it's a unique uh, facility hey wallace what's the what's the coolest rink that you've you've been to 
where it just instinctively you recall? Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, it's T-Mobile You can't it's say T-Mobile. Arena. You can't no, say T-Mobile. It's it got to be something no, it's, different. Okay, it's got to be something different. Um, you know, I'll go, I'll go with, uh, I thought San Jose was interesting. Not so much um, my, my favorite in terms of the press box, but um, where I was in terms of those games, it, it was right on top of where the fans were in the upper bowl. And that was just such a crazy, fun atmosphere to take in a playoff game, literally amongst the fans. So I'll, I'll go that. I'll go with that direction and, and the SAP Center. There's actually not a traditional press box in this building. No, what oh. we would uh, consider to be uh, for a hockey press box, it just doesn't exist because they don't play hockey in here uh, very often. A couple of years ago, with the LA Kings, uh, did it. And uh, this is the first game. And before that, everything was over uh, at the uh, outskirts where the Utah Grizzlies play at the ECHL. Duba, you, you were talking, you think this is like Barclays? It's reminiscent of Barclays Center in Brooklyn simply because it's a basketball arena that's sticking a hockey rink in the middle. So seats behind the goals are pushed back. It's folded up. It's Yeah, folded up. It's kind of a weird thing. Brooklyn was like that a little bit, so there's some bad sight lines. And, uh, uh, you know, just a few other elements, of it, like the colors. Like it's it's sort of a gray, silver, black, which works out well for the Kings. Similar color scheme to the Brooklyn Nets. And our broadcast position, if you were to look at a map of Barclays Center and put a dot at where our radio play-by-play position was, it's not too far off from where our play-by-play position will be here today. And by the way, my observations early on, uh, I'd say there's about one Kings fan for about every 30 Golden Knights fans. You're right on the money on that. Uh, That might be the most uh, accurate statement you've uttered since I've known you. And and that's saying something because you're... uh, Always right. I on see the one Kopitar jersey and everybody else's Golden Knights so far. They just opened the doors a few minutes ago. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we continue catching up with Chapman and final thoughts uh, from here in Salt Lake before the pregame show takes over from both Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas and here in Salt Lake City. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Millard here in Salt Lake City, Vivint Arena, where the Golden Knights take on the LA Kings tonight. Preseason game number three for the VGK, a one-on-one record coming in. Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman back at Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas in the home studio. Well, let's uh, catch up with Chapman right now, and then some final thoughts on the back end of this as we turn things over to the pregame show with Ryan. Yeah, kind of, kind of cool. You you mentioned Apollo Anton Ono winning the gold medal in short track speed skating, the men's 1500 in the Salt Lake Olympics. I'm surprised you did not mention, though, that Mark Gagnon from Canada actually defaulted into the bronze medal position in that particular race because Kim Dong-sung of South Korea was disqualified. Otherwise, uh, no medal for Canada in that Olympics, in that event anyway. Uh, so that's kind of cool. The, the, it, I believe it was called the Delta Center at the time when uh, they had the Olympics there. But, uh, yeah, Apollo Anton Ono, one of the all-time great American Winter Olympians, certainly one of the more memorable ones. And I believe he went on to win the championship on Dancing with the Stars as well, although I don't watch that show, so I'm trying to go based on what I remember are you, reading. Uh, are you getting this uh, short track speed skating stuff off Wikipedia? 
No, I, I, I rem- well, I got the name of the Korean guy who, got, who was disqualified, but I remember that Ono won via disqualification in that particular. I did not know that the Canadian one, guy took third. Just know your audience. Yes. So I'm not speaking to a Canadian audience, so I would uh, mention the uh, success of the American. No, right. but, but you, you, no, you, but, you, but you, you like If you want to get into it, if you really want to get into it, uh, check the medal totals by country of short track speed okay, skating well, uh, from Salt Lake City, okay? So there, there, there we are. <laughs> wow, someone, so someone's all. a little sensitive about I'm just, that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, if you're going to start beacon, I can chirp right back to you. A, a, little, a little sensitive. I like it. I like that you got a little defensive about that. Hey, Wallace, mm-hmm. what's, uh, what's your go-to tonight? I, I try and follow three guys a game, a, a veteran, a rookie, and a, somebody that's trying to get through the, the door and, and really make the team. Who are you following? Mm-hmm. I mean, tonight for me, uh, I'm following Caden Korzak just to, just to see how uh, he – he improves on his game that I thought was solid in the first place the other night. Uh, I'm focused on Paul Cotter and whether or not he can have another game much like he had on Sunday that's consistent. Uh, and then I'm looking at Peyton Krebs and his opportunity yeah. to play with Nolan Patrick and with Evgeny Dodonov because it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for Peyton Krebs going into this game tonight. Yeah, Peyton Krebs, does he take one of those big jumps and and comes out of this like uh, with a one and two type performance because uh, of who he's playing with and because he's so much more comfortable. That's a real possibility. Uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, I would say, would be uh, a focal point uh, for me. And you're you're I like what you're thinking with with Caden Korzak, but I'm also uh, dialed in uh, Miramanov. I, I just haven't had a chance to really see him uh, on the yeah. back end. And something we haven't talked enough about, and keep me honest here on time, Chapman, uh, because I'm having trouble hearing the background music to make sure that I'm, I'm out on time. Robin Leonard's making his first uh, preseason appearance tonight, and that is going to be potentially the story, no matter what happens in this game, is, is just seeing Robin Leonard again. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting, right? Because I, I I don't know that I was expecting to see Robin Leonard uh, in game number three of the preseason. I, I kind of felt like maybe it was it was next week where we really started to see Leonard in game action. But I, I think it's good. I think it's just it's a good opportunity to get your uh, get to get our eyes on Robin Leonard in a game situation. It's a good opportunity for Leonard to to shake a little bit of that rust off over the course of uh, the summer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Uh, back-to-back games against the Los Angeles Kings. The two teams will meet again tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, we will be there uh, with the VGK Insider Show from 4 until 6 and then uh, turning it over to the uh, pregame show. So uh, this has been great to be on location for both uh, uh, a road game and then tomorrow night a uh, little different uh, flavor. Thanks to Kelly McCrimmon for stopping by, the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. Darren Pang popped on. Just was passing by, so made him put on a headset. And Dan Duba, who you're going to hear a lot of tonight, calling the games with Gary Lawless, uh, also spent a um, large majority of the show uh, with us. Uh, on behalf of Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to the VGK Insider Show. Enjoy the pregame show from Salt Lake City and Fox Sports Las Vegas.